This special coverage of Token 2049 from Singapore is proudly brought to you by OneInch, the world's leading DeFi aggregator. We're back in Asia. This time we're here on Grand Prix weekend and we're here for Token 2049. Now, while the markets are going down on the outside, what I hear is that on the inside, there's a huge bull market buzz. Let's go inside and take a look. Outside, we're in the pits of a bear market. But inside, the conference buzzing. The builders, building. The investors, investing. Those that have been around for a while like to call it a builder's market. And here, everyone's in the business of building. 7,000 plus attendees, 250 companies, and all the biggest in the business. In fact, regardless of the market, this is the most impressive conference I've ever seen. You had FTX, Polkadot, Cardano, Ripple, Circle, Metamask, Clayton, Kronos, and many others. And getting Singapore to the starting blocks, ready to start their engines in time for the big Formula One weekend, OKEX. They got attendees in gear and brought the sponsor driver, Daniel Ricciardo, to the stage. And only one person got to spend time with him and ask him a few tough questions. And that was, well, of course me. Who's going to win on Sunday? Uh, who knows? But as long as I have a good weekend, I'll be happy. And while we'd all be happy if the overall macro state had us in the driver's seat of a bull market, the real experts here, the top VCs and investors, are actually happy because valuations are down and they can now invest in their top tier assets at way more realistic prices. Investors like Dan Moorhead from Pantera, who used to sweat bear markets, but now he's been around for a while. In 10 years, we've been through three of these massive bear markets. And I got to admit, the last couple times I was really sweating it. That maybe blockchain wouldn't work. You know, maybe the governments around the world would outlaw it or something. We're way too big for that. Head of investments at Jump Crypto, focused on a 10-year horizon. We see this as uh, as part of normal cycle uh, of any sort of large technological paradigm kind of continuing to build, which is going to go through cycles. Dovi Wan, who sees the intersection between US and Asia in crypto. And then I have seen more of just that this like, global knowledge exchange and a major arbitrage happening between US and uh, US and Asia in general. Lasse Clausen from 1KX, one of the smartest investors in the space. Token networks, which distribute the ownership and the control of the technology. And OG investors who've been here since 2011 and here for another decade to come. This doesn't feel like a bear market conference. No, it didn't. Just take a look around. Alrighty, so we're here at the entrance to Token 2049 and I want to take you for a walk around just to show you what it feels like inside. I know on the outside, there's a bear market going on, but you'll see on the inside, it feels like there's no bear market anywhere. Let's take a look, you'll see what I mean. You literally can't move. There's just so much going on. This is where the, ma the major exhibitors are. Look around you, all of these are crypto companies. They're all building, they're all building in the bear market. Everything to do with NFTs, gaming, exchanges. I mean, just look at the energy here. Just have a look at, at what's going on around here. And this is just one stand. This is the Polkadot stand. But you'll agree with me now that there's very little remnants of a bear market here. It's full. I guess there must be over 10,000 people here. Asians, Africans, Americans from all around the world, all here gathering at a crypto conference in what we say is the heart of a bear market, which seems crazy. While the crowds are here for Token 2049 and the Formula One, the banter fans are also here in full force. 
a real testament to what we all keep building together. Nice to meet you, man. We got some surprise looks from the banter fam. Nice to meet you, nice oh to meet God, you. Oh shit. We took selfies. Let's have a selfie. One more, one more, one more. Okay, now. Oh, another fan. Nice to meet you. Thank you. All right, let's go. I'm humbled to say this. Your contribution to this space has been enormous, and I'm Thank a big you. fan of you. But we actually inspire. I've learned so much from you, from Miles, all these guys. I really, really appreciate everything you do. We appreciate Thank you, you, bro. Thank you so much, buddy. Right? Thank it's you. Really, like the education you give, I really appreciate it. Thank man. you, sir. From the fans, let's sit down with the experts the fans were here to see. Starting off with Dan Moorhead, who kicked off the conference from the OG Silicon Valley Pantera Capital, who's bullish no matter what the bearish environment. You gave us just a dose of hopium that we needed uh, in this market, right? What keeps you guys so bullish in these market conditions? Give me some of the pointers that you look at that keep you so bullish. Yeah, so in 10 years, we've been through three of these massive bear markets. And I got to admit, the last couple times, I was really sweating it that maybe blockchain wouldn't work. You know, maybe the governments around the world would outlaw it or something. We're way too big for that. There's a couple hundred million people already using blockchain. China already has 300 million people using their own blockchain. Uh, blockchain's definitely going to happen. And, you know, we might be in a bear market for a while. We're, I think most of the bad kind of mojo in our market is coming from the other risk assets, bonds, stocks, real estate. And it's not fundamental to blockchain. So I think once, you know, we kind of calm down, I think we're building a base here. We're back off to trade on our own fundamentals. And, you know, crypto can be at all-time highs in a year or two while risk assets still sell off. So that's the biggest thing for me. I remember the 2017 bull and then the subsequent bear. And I remember always thinking to myself, is crypto going to exist in 10 years? This time we kind of know. Like it's, hap it's definitely happening. The question is what and how big, right? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I agree. It's, uh, it was an existential crisis before and now. It's just the markets are being washed over by macro, you know, worries. But there's nothing really bad happening in crypto. Crypto's working great. Like, the crisis DeFi worked perfectly, 24-7 executing smart contracts. So crypto works well. It's just the rest of the markets are struggling. So you mentioned DeFi. So let's talk about DeFi. And I think you mentioned on stage that the entire DeFi market is $20 billion. And then you compared it to traditional finance, which was about $3 trillion. And I think you alluded to the fact that it's an asymmetric bet because tell us a little bit more about your thinking there. Yeah, so my whole career has been in finding trades where the upside's way more than the downside. And you know, there have been cool ones, uh, you know, uh, Argentine farmland, Tesla Motors, whatever. Blockchain's the biggest of all time, right? That you're really not betting that much and the upside's massive. And, and DeFi today is a great example. Uh, the entire DeFi system is $20 billion today. You know, like a big hedge fund could literally buy all of DeFi. You know, I mean, it's, it's just not that big. And traditional finance is three trillion, so you know, it might take ten or twenty years. But when you're starting with something that's 150 to one shot, it's way more than 151 that DeFi works. So DeFi is one narrative that you're obviously following quite closely and you're investing in. What are the other narratives that you're looking at now and going, you know, in the next bull run? These are the narratives which you could see coming to life. Yeah, so we're still investing in things like scalability, like Arbitrum, Starkware, uh, still investing in uh, developer tools like Alchemy. But the next frontier is probably NFTs, gaming, metaverse. You know, it's kind of the next uh, 
area of, of focus, and there's a lot going on there. You know, again, we need to get critical mass. Like, you can't have gaming work when only 10 million people use crypto. 200 million uh, works pretty well, and then I think in you know three or four years, a billion people will be using crypto. So, you know, that'll be very easy to roll out. Consumer-oriented products. Let's shift to macro because I know you're a big macro guy. You're watching what's going on. Uh, interest rates flying through the roof, bond rates inverted, flying through the roof. You've got a gas crisis in, in Russia and in Ukraine or in Europe. Yeah. How do you see this thing playing out? It, it looks, when, when you look at it now, it kind of looks like, wow, we're in for a rough winter. Yeah, you know, I would think, I, I think we're in for a much rougher one than most people think. I would say that even that the uh, adjective you use flying through the roof, 3.6 on the tenure note is incredibly low when you have 10% inflation, right? So I think, um, I think there's a lot more to come, unfortunately. And even last December when the tenure note was at 1.3, we predicted it would go to five. I think that's easy to happen. And it might go much higher. Inflation is incredibly high and the causes are very persistent. It's not, you know, it's really fun to blame it on Russia, right? The cause of inflation are labor shortage, massive housing bubble, you know, and those things haven't cooled off at all. So how does that play out with your blockchain narrative? Would you not rather sit on your hands and say, look, I'm not touching the market, I'm not investing, let this macro thing play out because it looks like this macro thing is going to go on for much longer than anyone expected. Yeah, in hindsight, that was the right way to do it. Uh, but from here, you know, markets are down 70%. Uh, I think it's pretty attractive. And, and there's no real reason blockchain should be a, a risk asset, right? Um, most things that we're used to, like bonds, stocks, real estate, they are definitely connected to interest rates. So if rates go higher, bonds obviously go down. Almost obviously stocks go down. Almost obviously real estate goes down. And I actually think the Fed has to keep tightening until they get real estate to go down, because that's what's causing inflation. A third of all uh, CPI is housing. So those all have to go down. But uh, Bitcoin and other crypto is like gold or other commodities. They don't have any interest rate component to them. So it can be true that bonds keep going down for the next couple years and crypto goes up. Obviously, I've been wrong over the last six months on that, but that's what we're hoping for. Dan, thanks my friend. It's been such a pleasure having you back again. Nice yeah, to see thanks. you. That's right. The only wrong answer is zero. From Pantera, let's jump to, well, Jump Crypto, the hedge fund that's made the headlines and its CIO on stage. So you just came off the stage. You spoke about the next 10 years in crypto. I'm not worried about the next 10 years, I'm worried about like right now. How are you guys seeing this investment, plat this investment uh, period now? With the markets down, it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Interest rates are going up, inflation stays the same. How does that affect your, your investment thesis and how you guys are investing? Yeah, I think we, we see this as, uh, as part of normal cycle uh, of any sort of large technological paradigm kind of continuing to build, which is going to go through cycles. Um, uh, so it's, 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 it's part of that cycle. Uh, it's part of the price innovation cycle. It's part of the technology cycle. Uh, and also we are extremely patient. Uh, but most importantly, I think we generally like uh, these times because it allows us to uh, significantly focus on a lot of build efforts. Uh, for Jump Crypto, our North Star fundamentally is uh, tons and tons of infrastructure building uh, and can moving the space forward. Uh, and on the investment side, I think we continue to invest, uh, but obviously the investment for us is a very long-term horizon. Uh, so short-term price movements, short-term market movements are uh, in a way irrelevant. Uh, obviously we have a conviction in the long-term kind of trend of the space. When you say investments for you are long-term horizon, your typical Web3 blockchain investment, from the time you write the first check until 
you anticipate that you're going to exit? What's the time horizon? As, as a general rule, we are long-term investors. Uh, we have a long-term horizon. I mean, in, in traditional venture models, you know, the, the funds are 10-year horizon. Yeah, five uh, to 10 years. Yeah, so those are, you know, I think we, could, you know, that's a nice kind of model to build up. But in crypto, you know, you have to take probably even a longer view, especially on the infrastructure, which is our kind of big area of focus. In infrastructure investments pan out after a very long time. So you said you're solving some of the biggest problems in crypto, which actually interests me a lot because I'm assuming the biggest problems have the, the biggest honeypots at the end. What are some of the problems or narratives that you guys are trying to solve? Or yeah, in? yeah we, are, we are contributing to solve the problem. I mean, we're not the only ones who are going to be solved these things. But, you know, I think uh, at this point, you know, I think we are super early in the infrastructure that exists today to serve the mass adoption use cases from a scalability perspective. So we have an insane amount of research effort going on on scalability, especially around zero knowledge proof cryptography uh, and using that um, as a design principle for a lot of, uh, lot of scalability uh, 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 propositions. So that's one. Um, so we, 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 there's a lot of work on scalability. There's a lot of work on uh, multi-chain. Uh, you know, again, we believe in multi-chain uh, 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 kind of future, and then hence a lot of cross-chain uh, efforts. Do you see multi-chain. Do you see multi-chain bridged by bridges like Wormhole, which I know you guys are again investors in, or do you see multi-chain more like Cosmos or, or Polkadot with that kind of infrastructure? Yeah, again, I think these are all uh, different sort of design principles, right? Uh, and uh, you could you could see them as. Uh, each one of them either sort of connecting certain zones um, in, in case of Cosmos uh, with, a, with a shared security model or you're connecting to a completely different ecosystem which we now connecting to other monolithic L1s and both are equally important. Both serve different use cases uh, and both serve different needs from a developer perspective and both need uh, uh, some kind of cross-chain uh, compatibility and cross-chain uh, connectivity. All right, let's have some fun. Some quick rapid fire questions. I want to see where your head is at. So let's start off, most promising layer one. Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think it's hard for me to pick one. I think there are four or five amazing attempts. Which ones are uh, I, I, we love Solana, it's a, it's a great, uh, great ecosystem. I think Ethereum through the merge has proven out to be highly resilient and strong community. Uh, Aptos and Suya are two phenomenal ecosystems. Polygon is just, one of the best use cases on the mass adoption. Let me slow, let me slow you down, let me slow you down. A lot of people are coming on the show and saying Aptos and Sui are amazing. What have they done that makes them so amazing? I mean, I get that they're a very smart bunch of people. They raised a lot of money and they've got a great architecture, but there are many other projects that have done that. Why is everyone so excited about specifically Aptos and Sui? First of all, it's, uh, you, you have to kind of uh, calibrate to the stage they are at. So. As an early stage project, they are, they've done a lot of work from a research perspective. They have the benefit of three to four years of R&D, extremely well funded by Meta, with extremely talented teams, and they're coming out of the gate, you know, uh, going and uh, pro provide the applied uh, benefits of that. So that by in itself, for an early stage project, is amazing. Uh, what's the most used crypto app that you use? Probably my wallet. Uh, wallet. Yeah, I use Phantom Wallet, I use MetaMask Wallet, I use a bunch of other wallets, but Wallet as an application is probably the most used and uh, 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 most actively used. Sirab, listen man, it's good to have you on the show, good to have another member of Jump, and you guys are family pretty much, so thanks very much. Thank you. Cool. From Jump, let's jump to 1KX's Lasse Clausen. He's their founding partner and one of the smartest investors in the space. He's appeared on Banter numerous times, but this time, he was on stage with the likes of Google, who are getting into Web3. 
This is the second conference that we've seen them at. You've been investing in this space for a long time. In fact, you're my go-to person when it comes to protocols because you've always been the guy that was very focused on investing in protocols only. Has your thesis changed? No, we still token maximalists. Uh, so we think that while you can have great normal businesses on top of blockchain, at the end of the day, they're still just normal businesses. Uh, for us, the big innovation really is uh, token networks, which distribute the ownership and the control of the technology to the users and the suppliers of the network. That for us is a big innovation, and so we're still focused on token networks, and we help founders to bootstrap token networks. In the early days, I think you were very early into Ethereum, you were very early into Arweave. There were some other investments that you were very early into. Which ones were they? So one, for example, which I think is also a little bit under the radar, still Nexus Mutual. Um, insurance. It's, it's a decentralized insurance protocol. What else are you looking at now? So I think the market's different now. Like we've moved from a, well, have we moved from a layer one market? Or are we still looking for strong layer ones? I think in our view, really the L1s uh, and actually the L2, uh, you know, the layer two scalability landscape, we think it has played out. I think we've made the bets, uh, you know, the first one in 2018 into ZK Sync. We invested in 2018 there. So I think we've, in the past years, we've invested in, in layer twos. And we're now getting ready, I just mentioned this, I think it is exciting because we're getting ready to actually have, for the first time, consumer products that are built on blockchain. Everything before, unfortunately the first bull market was too early, most of it was still happened on Ethereum L1. How do you see the world today or in the next couple of years? Is it an Ethereum and then around Ethereum a whole lot of layer two, ZK Sync, Arbitrum, Optimism? Or is it an Ethereum, Solana, Near Protocol, Cardano. We think it's um, we think it's going to be very Ethereum centric and L2 centric. Um, if you you know if you're a founder and you have to spin up you know maybe you hit transaction uh, throughput thresholds and you have to you know deploy your own chain, that's a monumental task. That is very very complex. All of a sudden, you are now a protocol developer, which is very very different than even building smart contracts versus, you know, you just maybe fork your own L2, right? You can fork ZK Sync or in the future actually use an L3 that is also, again, secured by cryptography. You can have your own token, you can have all these benefits and you can essentially fork it and you're ready to go versus building up a whole ecosystem that secures just another L1. So we think it's going to be very Ethereum and L2, L3 centric and then probably one or two other large L1s that are sort of covering other use cases or niches. And if you look at towards those other L1s, what do you think they'll be? What are the niches? I mean, the reason why I ask is I look at Solana, which was supposed to be this fast trading chain. 80% of the volume today is actually NFTs. So, I mean, could we live in a world where Solana is the NFT chain? Yeah, I think that could happen. I think when you are, you know, uh, most of the L2s really is, it's a bit of a trade-off, right? You're getting more speed, but you have to give up some decentralization, some security parameters. And I think that's fine because an NFT, if I'm trading an NFT that's maybe worth 200 bucks, maybe $5,000, that's something very different than me deploying a billion dollars into a liquidity pool, right? What other narratives are you looking at? So you mentioned ETH, you mentioned ETH layer two, you mentioned some alternative layer ones, but you also said that we're moving into an age of consumerism where we're going to start building real consumer dApps. And that's obviously going to happen in narrative. So 
in the first narrative we're seeing is GMX, which is this uh, decentralized perpetuals, right? What other narratives are you looking at? So I think gaming is actually now starting to look interesting. You had this typical Gardner hype cycle, right? It was completely overhyped. And we just funded a very, very interesting gaming project where you see entrepreneurs that are coming from first principles. They're not just trying to use an existing game and slap a little bit of crypto on top, a little bit of tokens on top. They're really fundamentally rethinking what you can do with a game because of what blockchains enable you to do. Um, I can't, I can't disclose it yet. Okay. Uh, we will when we can. Don't tell me what the game is, but what chain are they building on? What is the, are they building on Ethereum on a layer 2? They're first building on Ethereum and then an uh, EVM compatible L2, yeah. Okay, so what other narratives? Gaming, I think very cool. Web3, we think actually, so the original Web3 of, you know, hardware resource provisioning, uh, things like a life peer, things like an R-Weave, right? Which essentially is just, people have hardware, computation, storage, and instead of an AWS, you know, deciding how the resources are spent, you know, you actually just have a thin protocol in the middle that does it automatically and does it without any fees. And you're getting to the point now where, for example, like a LifePeer is actually at a point where you now have even on top of LifePeer the infrastructure, an SDK that makes it very easy for an app developer that wants live streaming to actually integrate LifePeer transcoding into that. LifePeer has amazing traction. Uh, I want to talk about Arweave in a second, but before that, do you see things like Helium as part of the decentralized web? Yes, I think so. Helium is, um, is also a fantastic sort of Web3 story where you essentially have, again, it's, it's hardware resource provisioning. It's essentially the hardware, the, the Helium pods that distribute sort of bandwidth, you, you know, that you have a, a protocol in the middle that does it hyper-efficiently and most importantly, permissionlessly, right? Anyone can actually join the network and become a supplier. You're known as one of the best investors in the space. Not by your LPs or whatever, not by the people that give you money, but by the companies you work with. And I guess one day we should sit down and unpack what it is that makes an investor a good investor on the cap table. Deal? Sounds great. Deal. Cool, my brother. Good to see you. Thank you. Good seeing you. From a top European funds perspective, let's get into the retail perspective. We take a walk around the packed halls, where the conference goes are packed shoulder to shoulder. It's so full, you literally can't walk. You can't walk without bumping into people. I mean, just look at this. Just look at the people around us, how they've packed it. I must say, I've been doing this for many years. I've never seen such a big, well-organized conference before with such big exhibitors in my life. If you're enjoying this coverage, smash the like, subscribe to this channel. New videos every single day right here on CryptoBanter. The conference buzzing. And here, everyone's in the business of building. There you got Scott and Emmy Melko over there. Oh, there are our friends at Unix Gaming. Hey guys, how's it going? Milka, how's it going? You guys building, building, building. Yeah, I mean, actually, I know a lot of people say we don't like bear market. We love bear market. No distraction, full focus on building. And yeah, and uh, we come up with something beautiful soon. See what everyone's telling you here? That actually, if you're serious about the space, bear markets are actually better than bull markets. There's no distraction of price. There's no hype. There's no noise. There are no scammers. Only the real people are going to be and are going to survive. All right, let's carry on. Yeah. 
I was photobombing you, but you didn't see it. Well, now you're live, bro. That's the reason of the channel, to show people, because I went from working in a grocery store three and a half years ago to living this crazy lifestyle, and I, I want to show people, I want to normalize luxury, I want to normalize success, and I want to inspire people uh, to feel like anyone can have that lifestyle. Because some people think that it only happens to lucky people, or it, or it only happens to people in movies but it can happen to anyone. I want to say something because I think you'll relate. We met in 2018, just after the market collapsed. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. And you guys, you and Chris were making videos every single day, bull market, bear market. Yes. And I asked you guys, I said, why are you doing this? And they said, we're focused. We're doing this every single day. You worked really hard right through the bear market. And when the bull market came, you reaped all the rewards, right? Yes, exactly. So back in the previous bear market, Every single day I made a video on my crypto channel and I was grinding, grinding. The views were low but building slowly a subscriber base and investing, investing and you know, I, I put all of, I planted so many seeds. I knew that Bitcoin and crypto was going to explode at some point. I just didn't know when, but when the bull market came, the rewards were absolutely mind-blowing. But I saw many people that, that left, many YouTubers, many investors, many people in general just just left crypto and went to other industries but but all the crypto guys out there I know that there are tough times right now and all of us lost a lot of money I mean I know you lost a lot of money fortune I lost insane money and all of you also like we're all in it together let's not hate each other let's just pull through together and plant more of these seeds invest now um, and in the next bull market which could be literally a few weeks from now or two years from now but when it happens, we're all going to be partying together, celebrating together, and uh, and then we're going to forget these times. All right, amazing. Carl, good to see you, my brother. See you on the weekend. Woo. And also this weekend, Token 2049 wasn't only about the conference and the alpha. Throughout the week, Singapore nightlife was alive with crypto meetup events. One of the most spectacular futuristic parties of the week was hosted by One Inch, and we visited the One Inch party to check out the vibe. Needless to say, we got home at 4 a.m. And also this weekend, the big Formula One race. Fans are gearing up and OKX revving up with McLaren driver Daniel Ricciardo. The buzz is big and after his talk, fans lined up to see him. But Banter got a front row seat to talk crypto. First thing is I'm trying to understand what keeps your mind sharp. I know that your game is all about mind. Um, if you drop the ball for even a split second in a 70 lap race, it's game over. Yeah. What, what do you guys do to keep yourself focused for such a long period of time? I mean, oh. I can't keep it on the carts for that long. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because it's like, it's only really in the car that I am, I am at that level of concentration, you know? And I think what helps is uh, like some breathing and stuff, like a bit of breathing techniques help me kind of stay in. So, but, uh, but honestly, it's, I would just strip it down to the core of, it's what I love doing most. Therefore, I'm happy to invest all my energy into it at that one time. Is it an adrenaline rush for 50, 60 yeah. laps? Yeah. So it's kind of like trading crypto, right? I mean, like it's it gets pretty it gets pretty wild, and afterwards you yeah you're exhausted. How much time do you get to manage your own finances, your own crypto? I know you guys are obviously adrenaline junkies. It's just part of the sport. How much time do you get to manage your own finances? So I put, um, let's say I try to put time aside like each week to kind of go over everything, to check everything. I was, um, I was probably 
putting too much time in that to where a few members of my team were like, all right, let's, let's put a bit more time back into the driving. But, uh, but yeah. What's the most exciting thing you've learned in your crypto journey? Oh, wow. Um, okay, you, you got me. <laughs> and one last question. Who's going to win on Sunday? Um, let's see. It'll, it, I'm, I'm, I'm due a win, but uh, I think we've got a bit of work to do. So let's see. Uh, who knows? But as long as I have a good weekend, I'll be happy. And if he's due a win here in Singapore, well, we're due some green candles in a bull run. And a local here in Singapore, well, let's just say she's seen cycles play out before. So yeah. let's talk about the top five projects that, you, that you've invested in. Yeah. Okay. So like top five, like at what dimension, right? So like there's an absolute return or like there's things I like the most or I'm... Walk me through it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I think return-wise, because I think people know me in the space for so for long enough and knows I'm like uh, early investor in things like like Starware, like Kyber, and all this like you know like like just no name in the space. And I think um, like there's a lot of like just like publicity out there, so I'm not going to mention. So I'm so I pretty much invest in all the layer twos, uh, like not the. Like the Ethereum native player too, so I would say. Like Starware, Optimism, uh, like uh, not Arbitrum, sorry, uh, because I had to pick one in between Arbitrum and Optimism, so I pick uh, so I so I pick Optimism, uh, and a lot of this like cross chain stuff, like uh, just like Stellar, Synapse, uh, multi chain. Uh, some of them are GMX. Like GMX right now is the biggest layer two derivative trading like platform. And like like the fee it generates already flip Aave, Bitcoin, BSC and number four in fees in the yeah, entire blockchain. Four, yeah. Sometimes more than Bitcoin, yeah, not yeah, more yeah. than Ethereum. Like mostly more than Bitcoin, sorry. Why? Yeah. Wh what is it with you and anonymous founders? You like, you've got the style of investing in anonymous teams where most people run away from anonymous teams. So I think why my anonymous portfolio like GMS or like LooksRare, Pika, Synapse, like they're all doing really well because they don't have all this like, so noises and like friction like to worry about. Like GMS like does not have to block IP and then does not have to uh, like store like customer data on the back So you're risking credibility versus legal friction. That's basically what you're doing here, right? It's almost like, on the one hand, you know, anonymous founders, you don't know who you're dealing with. No, it could be it very is, scary. Yeah, so it is not just legal friction. Like, think about this. If you are not hardcore anonymous, you, so you cannot build a cheap permissionless economy. Listen, it's super interesting, but we're all out of time. Dovi, it's yeah. so, so, yeah. so good to see you, my darling. Yeah, Thank definitely. Thank you so much. Take care. For a final feature, we sit down with an OG VC. Investing in the market since 2011 was some serious insight. What's the atmosphere like in the investment market? Yeah, so this is like my fourth crypto cycle. I started investing 2011, 2012. Um, certainly feels very different. You know, I remember the first finance conference here in 2019, bottom of the last market, there was like 20 people. This doesn't feel like a bear market conference. You know, before it was just, you know, layer ones uh, and some infrastructure. Now you have NFTs, gaming, DeFi, and then other stuff, social. My primary metric is human capital, and I think smart teams, smart people continue to come into the space. They've been captivated by Web3, whether it's gaming, what Axie has done, or NFTs, what, you know, Bored Apes or Punks have done, or DeFi, and I think from that standpoint, um, I think it feels very different this time. And what are the narratives that you're looking at now? What are the ones that are keeping you super excited? I tend to think of like 
my thesis is there's going to be a killer game out there that is going to do what Tencent has done in the traditional Web2 land. Meaning it will start with social, it will start with a game, and then do everything. Uh, you look at, for instance, what Stepin has done, which is a move to earn, just call it a, a gamified Strava. What Strava should have done 10 years ago, they've done it now. Um, and it's been interesting that they have now become the largest marketplace in Solana. They're, what's stopping them from expanding into other, you know, building their own side chain or building their own L1? What about layer ones? Are you still bullish on layer ones or kind of have we solved the problem? Uh, I, I don't think we've solved the problem. I think it's very encouraging what Ethereum has done now, like meaning migrating to proof of stake. And so you think that ETH wins the layer one smart contract race? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I think for now, if you look at the developer mindshare continues to be in Ethereum, that's not to say that it's a winner-take-all market. I think they're, my, I'm of the opinion that it will be a multi-chain world. But Ethereum could easily connect to Cosmos now that it's transitioned to proof of stake. And so I'm not dismissive of emerging L1s. I think this maximalism uh, framework does a lot of disservice. Are you, are you a net buyer now of Ethereum, even at these prices? I mean, none of this is financial advice, but certainly interesting uh, Ethereum at this level, yes. What other layer ones? Well, I'm an investor in a few others. I think Solana is very interesting. Um, Solana strikes me as probably the most ambitious team looking to do things in a different way. Like the Solana phone is actually a very interesting concept. Um, and I haven't seen other teams be as bold as the Solana team. And so I, I like that type of mentality, which is we know that there are current issues with the infrastructure for instance, if you're a Web3 project trying to fit in the Web2 mold. Do you look at the macro factors at all? I mean, I, mean, I think you have to pay attention to macro. You know, we've, we've talked over the last 10, 12 years in crypto being an uncorrelated asset class, a hedge against inflation. I've never actually believed that because we, you know, Bitcoin launched after the financial crisis. We've never had a, finan a, a financial crisis or a recession really for that matter since crypto exists, in the existence of crypto. We're seeing it now. We're seeing rising interest rates. At the end of the day, I continue to believe this is a secular trend. This is the next frontier of the internet. It is the most exciting um, you know, industry. And I think that continues to be proven out by the level and the caliber of human capital that con continues to enter the space. But I don't make investment decisions on a one or two year horizon. I'm thinking five, 10 years out. It is hard for me to imagine that crypto uh, will continue to be a trillion dollar asset class over the next 10 years. And I think that's the bet that I'm making. I think that one, this asset class goes from one trillion to at least 10 to 20 trillion over the next five, 10 years, potentially more. Invest in the revolution, invest in the technology, but most of all, invest in the people. And when you invest, look at it as, a, look at it as an investment in human capital, not in, in product. Santiago, it's been so good having you on the show again. Thank you very much, brother. So, if you're investing for the next five to 10 years in this industry, then all these small macro hiccups really shouldn't affect you. In fact, the message here is loud and clear. Prices are coming down and valuations are becoming more realistic. All the big VCs are telling you that this is the best time to invest. A five to 10 year horizon. Looking out on the horizon from the Marina Bay Sands. We're getting set for the Formula One race and we'll be back with part two of our incredible coverage from Token 2049 later this week. For now, we're off the races. 
I'll see you again soon. Until then, trade well, my friends. And just a reminder that the special coverage of Token 2049 from Singapore is proudly brought to you by OneInch, the world's leading DeFi aggregator and one of our best sponsors since we started the channel. If you're looking to execute trades efficiently, go and visit OneInch.